Off the ball, rugby. Uh, you know, heading into the Irish game, we were pretty nervous. This one, we're not confident, we're more excited. It's a bit of a different feeling. We got to the big dance and that, you know, that's what we, we obviously aim for. Join in the obsession. Subscribe now at offtheball.com forward slash join. Off the ball, breakfast. Ireland's sports breakfast show. KB in the comments says, not only was Johnny Sexton coaching while he was playing, he was refereeing as well. Hey, hey, <laughs> boom, 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 boom. And Paul Scanlon says that uh, he was once uh, corrected by Felipe Contepomi on the pronunciation of the then Argentinian president, Nestor Kirchner. Do you want to now correct it for us as well, Paul? Anyway, Kathleen, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, what has the build-up been like this week? Um, uh, relatively non-existent, I think. Um, like I was doing a bit of research into the Albanian team um, before we went into the interviews with the team on Monday, and there is very little. Like they all basically play in Albania. There's one or two players that play in Italy, but by and large, they're all there. They're kind of on the slightly older side for a team. You know, the majority of players are like 25 to 30, rather than you know having a few young up and coming. Uh, the game itself is in Tala, quarter to six on Friday. Sold out, which is good, but also it's not an ideal time for a lot of people. You know, if you're finishing up work, it's a difficult one to get to. And then the return leg in Albania is, like, impossible to get to if you're the sort of fan that would like to travel to that game. I looked it up, I was like, oh, Albania, maybe there'll be, like, a cheap flight to Tirana. And there was not a cheap flight to Tehran. I think it was like seven, eight hundred euro Whoa. return right. with a stopover in Frankfurt. And then the actual game itself is like three hours outside of Tirana. Right. And it's really, really hard to get to. So shockingly, I actually don't know if there's any journalists going over. I think Orti might be the only one sending someone, um, which is unfortunate. Again, and this is kind of the problem that we have that we are in. League B um, in that we're not playing the sort of teams that we should be and going to the places that we should be in terms of building on the support that we got over the summer. It's really weird. The last game against Hungary away, it was like stepping back in time 10 years and seeing the... (laughs) COVID. Or to COVID, hearing the sort of cacophony of echoes in that stadium. And like it's so unfortunate because you look at the atmosphere in the Aviva game it was class against Northern Ireland and hopefully when we go up to Belfast there'll be a similarly good atmosphere and stuff but again it's it's just difficult when you're playing these sort of teams I mean it's great that Tala did sell out as quickly as it did considering we're playing Albania and I think it shows the what people are putting on this team in particular we don't actually need to be playing big starry name teams for Irish people to turn up when we're in Ireland it's just a little bit more difficult when you have to travel to like Budapest or three hours outside Tehran I'm not going to even attempt to pronounce the place I think it's enjoyable watching this Ireland team play confidently and knowing that they're probably going to score goals well that's the really interesting thing like chatting to the players on Monday it was Jamie Finn Abby Larkin um, Izzy Atkinson and Tyler Toland that were all up for media and we kind of put it to them a couple of times you know is do you think this is detrimental to the team playing these sort of teams at the moment and they're all like mm, no like because it's giving them an opportunity to try out different formations give them an opportunity to get minutes in for some players which is important because there were a couple coming back from injury and also as you were saying it's fun watching Ireland score and I think we haven't had that like we went to the World Cup and we scored one goal there was obviously all the fallout I think maybe this team needed a A break yeah yeah, and a bit of something to put a bit of pep in their step and we've seen this like reflected in how the team are doing at their club level as well you know we had it at the weekend Katie McCabe obviously scored two goals 
Saoirse Noonan scored two goals. Tyler Tolan scored a goal against her. So that was three goal scorers in one game, all from Ireland, which is class. Kira Caruso has done brilliantly for San Diego Wave. They're now in the NWSL semi-finals. Deduce Sullivan lost, so they lost to Gotham, so she didn't get through. But we're seeing it kind of feed through into their club form. So hopefully this is a situation that Eileen Gleeson, now being the interim manager, can kind of take and build on. And then hopefully whoever comes in will be able to push it along a little bit and get some good friendlies in even. Because, you know, I think that's probably where the manager, whoever comes in, will need to look next, saying like, OK, admittedly, we're not playing the best. Vera Power, for all her problems... Uh, got us friendlies against Australia, America. We played the best teams. France. France. Yeah. yeah, it was uh, it was really beneficial. And um, and I look, I, I totally accept the point that um, when we go up to the top division, League A, uh, we're going to be playing teams who sometimes are going to spank us. Just and that's just how it's going to be for a period of time. And uh, like I'm just looking. Wikipedia has a relatively straightforward explainer about how the whole thing works. We're the best team in, in League B at the moment. Our coefficient is the highest. Um, four teams come down from League A and four teams go up from League B. So there's going to be a lot of movement mm. over the coming years. And that means there's also going to be other teams who we'd be able to beat if we end up um, playing against them. And sorry, it's a minimum of yes, four playoffs. teams because yeah. there are yeah. playoffs as well. Do you know how many teams come down from the playoffs? I, I can't quite so work that the out. The third place teams in League A face off with the second place teams in League B and basically head-to-head games. If you win your game as a League B team, so it you could get be eight. So it could be eight up and eight down. Could be, but it won't be. No, obviously. Yeah. None, none of those teams are going to be beaten in the League A, which is why it's doubly important for Ireland to finish top of this group. Because if Ireland were to finish second in this group, they're probably not going to be the League A team. They're, they're going to be outsiders. They might do. They're going to be outsiders. Mm. But if Ireland don't stand a huge chance of winning one of those games, no one else in League B does. Yeah, it's a quirk of the schedule so far, but England are currently in one of those uh, relegation playoff positions after just two group games. So uh, to your point, we could end up playing. So the other teams at the moment are England, Norway, Iceland and Italy. We'd give ourselves a chance against Italy and Iceland at the moment, would we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Norway are like, for all that they have great players, they're not great when it comes to international sides they've really struggled in terms of getting good managers in or whenever they have had decent managers in the players haven't necessarily performed for them so like there's definitely a lot of opportunity there but I hope again that we are getting as Vera Powell did and as you say it's something that I really respected her too for was making sure we were playing top level opposition when we could because I wouldn't like us to maybe get comfortable in the situation we're in now and think like ah. We can play a back three and it's fine and Denise Sullivan can have free reign and Katie can go wherever she wants because when we play those bigger teams, yeah. that's probably not going to be the case. But I also don't think there's any harm now to have players, you know, building up that confidence that was clearly missing after the World Cup. Albania were only beaten 1-0 by Northern Ireland in Belfast. Yeah. Which would suggest they're not completely mugs. They're not terrible, but that was a pretty awful game. It was one of those games that you kind of want to clean from your brain afterwards. Um, Northern Ireland, surprisingly, like I've been really disappointed by them. Um, I watched them quite a lot in the Euros the summer that they were in there because I was based in Southampton for a lot of their games. And, you know, they really stuck it to teams for the first like 60, 70 minutes and then just fell away a little bit after that. Um, which is understandable with the group that they were in. You know, they were playing the likes of England and stuff. They're not, Albania are not totally mugs. And I think like that was one of the things a lot of the players were very keen to say on Monday. Like we can't go into this game and just be like, oh, we're playing Albania. It's all fine. Like we do need to have a game plan. We do need to think about what we want to do. 
and we do need to respect the opposition because otherwise we could have a bad result. And I think that you were saying about the build up into this game, like it's very easy to look at these games and almost approach them like they're friendlies yeah. because of who we're playing and because it's hard to get excited for teams where maybe we don't recognise a lot of the names or we're not watching them play in any of the like major European leagues. But as we've said, it's really important for our nation's league standing. Carney Brosnan couldn't have had uh, two games of more contrasting ends, really, uh, with the 2-1 win in Merseyside Derby at Anfield. A 1-0 win. 1-0. Yeah. And then the 5-0 reverse at home to Manchester United. In this doubleheader against Albania, knowing the character of Brosnan, what type of a game or games could she do with? Does she need to be busy or would she be better off being quiet for those two games? I think we've seen with Brosnan when it comes to an international side, she's very good at both now, or she has been. I think after the United defeat, you'd probably prefer to have a busy game and pull off a few decent saves. And I think Everton would probably like to see that for her as well when she comes back into the next break. Like in the Aviva, she basically stood there for the entire game. She didn't really have anything to do. Same with the second game. And she's full of energy though it looks like she wants to get involved like she's, she's very so vocal she's so loud on the pitch yeah. which is really funny because whenever you speak to her she's so softly spoken she's so polite she's so chill and then you hear her absolutely roaring at players on the pitch um, which I think is really interesting like the not the episode of Koi Gig we just did the one before that when Emma Byrne was with us she was talking about Heather Payne and remember she had that really really good game for Everton and she was saying that that was one of the things that they were trying to work on with Heather on an international side was making her more vocal on the pitch because mm. she was like, she's gotten a little bit lost in the international side since the World Cup. Mm. And I think that's definitely true. You know, we used to talk about her as being one of the like fastest players on the pitch and her heat map was all over the place. But the last couple of games, it's felt like she feels a little bit out of circulation. And I know that was because of how we set up during the World Cup. And I was chatting to Emma after the podcast had finished recording and I was like, oh, that was really interesting what you said about Heather. And she was like, yeah, we want her to be like someone like Courtney, mm. who, again, they have similar sort of personalities off the pitch. But Courtney's obviously worked quite hard to bring herself to a level where she feels comfortable to scream at defenders and say, what are you doing? And she's like, I want that from Heather. I want her to, you know kind of reach out a little bit more. So mm. it's interesting getting those little bits of insight because it's rare that you get them from a coaching setup in that way. Because it struck me that um, Payne's performance against Northern Ireland at the Aviva Stadium, she was essentially used as a decoy runner. Yeah. And it was very selfless out of her that she had to do. And the, it seemed like when Tolan got the ball, she was looking left the whole time to Katie McCabe naturally. Mm. But it meant Payne was just running up and down like a like the lines person basically for the whole half. With Everton, I like presume that, I presume they seriously appreciate her because she's playing in that position for Everton regularly. Is she much more involved with them? Yeah, I think so. And like we we forget as well with Heather that she has just been playing collegiate football the last couple of years. You know, she hasn't been at a professional club level, and she's come into Everton and stamped her style of play on the team she's been one of the standout players in a couple of their games now so like she still has a massive amount of development to do and as you say she's always been that selfless player I mean before we were putting Kira Carusa in that like front position there were so many times where Heather spent her games just like chasing aimless ball after aimless ball up to the top of the pitch so she is very good at doing lots of running and not maybe getting the credit or the service that she should 
Um, but I would love to see a bit more of her on the ball and her developing on that side of things a little bit more. Is is that one of the little drawbacks that we have at the moment for having somebody who isn't going to be our manager long term in that they're working on players individually as um, trying to make them better, which will clearly improve the collective as well. But we don't have yet what is going to be the style of play after this, you know, when the new manager comes in. I guess I'm, I'm wondering here, we have games where we're expected to win, where we're able to experiment a little bit with style of play, embed good habits, and the new manager is going to come in and, and essentially be straight into qualifying campaigns against better teams with more on the line without having had this window to learn and shape the culture. My like ideal situation probably would be whoever they do get to come in retains some of the background staff that's there currently. Um, and also I think that, yeah, they are missing this betting in period, but we are still going to have other games, assuming the timeline that the FAI have said, like they've said that they want to have a shortlist by now. So that I assume that means that they want someone appointed by the end of the year. They're still going to have some of these games against the like of Northern the, Ireland. The second, that, yeah. yeah, that they can okay. do something with. Um, I think that what this team has done probably more so than the individual stuff. I think the individual stuff is probably easy enough to pick up on and it's probably the sort of thing that a manager would be grateful for coming in. I think the thing that's interesting is the players that they've brought in. So like the likes of Caitlin Hayes, great player. She's been really good the first few games we've seen her in. She scored at the weekend as well, which is always good to see. Tyler Toland, like these sort of players, will they retain those spots? Um now everyone has spoken really highly of Tyler since she's been in the camp because obviously there was the stories around why she hadn't been in the last couple of years. So it's kind of natural that a lot of the other players were asked, well, how has she been like since she's been in? And everyone's been super positive about her. Um, and then you have the likes of Mirsa Shiva, who hasn't really been seen since the World Cup, who was one of big Vera Powell's big players that she brought in. So will she come back into the squad or what's the situation? Um so yeah, I think that's probably going to be more interesting and more complicated for the manager that comes in rather than some of the individual stuff that the current team is doing. It was more style of play and like just getting that embedded. But as you say, there's yeah. a couple of games for them to do yeah. that. Yeah, but I also don't know how much we can develop a complete style of play against these teams at the moment because the way we're playing right now and the way we have played in the couple of games we've had are not is not the way that we're probably going to set up and play when we are teams. Yeah. Uh, so you've picked three five two. Have we? We haven't named your team yet. Yeah. So Brosnan, Hayes, Quinn, Caldwell, um, Payne, Tolan, Connolly, O'Sullivan, McCabe, Lucy Quinn, and Kira Carusa. I just think with the form a lot of these players are in, they're good shouts. Uh, their argument that Jamie Finn and Izzy Atkinson could possibly be in the squad on Friday because they're the sort of players that do need a bit of time. Uh, Izzy Atkinson came on at the weekend and performed really, really well. She totally changed the game for them. Uh, for West Ham. For yeah. West Ham, yeah. And then there's also the likes of, you know, Megan Campbell. I think she's only come in in one game so far with Everton, but she's the sort of player that does need minutes. It's obviously, it would be great to see her back on the pitch for Ireland. She missed out on the World Cup and has had like quite a long layoff. So there are a couple of ifs and buts in there. Depend. I just don't know because Eileen Gleeson hasn't spoken yet, so I don't right. fully know how she's approaching this game. You expect this to be the shape of the team, though? This I think is, so, yeah. Yeah, this, I was, yeah. I was keen to ask about that, the three five two. Do you think that's the the best setup for the current crop we have? Because it's interesting you saying that you'll, you would, yourself would be interested to see who replaces Gleeson. 
and what kind of a system they'll go with going forward. But it does seem to me that you've kind of packed the the team quite centrally with the best rung of players here. So maybe three five two is the way to go. I think it's the best for these games. I think when we start playing better opposition, we'll revert back to our four or five at the back. Mm. Um, but for now, I think the areas that we need to develop most with the, these players is probably in that central area. And we saw like how much O'Sullivan has been enjoying the fact that packing it a little bit gives her the freedom yeah. to move around a lot more. And that's something that we haven't seen from her during the World Cup. Probably the last game is the only time we saw it properly. Um, so yeah, that's probably why I'd like to see it a little bit more. Okay, uh, we're getting criticised for not talking about enough about Arsenal. Come on, give it a quick mention earlier on. This. Kathleen, keen, uh, keen to hear your takes on last night as well. We mentioned uh, Jesus briefly earlier on in the show, mm. but there are uh, bigger storylines from the night than that. Obviously, David Raya is going to grab the headlines. I wonder if Tomiyasu starting instead of Alexander Zinchenko is going to be a big talking point. Zinchenko was poor on Saturday night against Chelsea. Tomiyasu um, was player of the match, wasn't he? Yeah, he was excellent, wasn't yeah. he? And uh, Arteta, was he asked about it beforehand? He didn't necessarily say he was dropped, but I mean, whatever Arteta says in press conferences or uh, <laughs> or interviews, you can it's take great a great to have two goalkeepers. I will use them both. Facts. Um, the thing that I noticed last night was that Arsenal could do with a little bit of granite jacket in their midfield. Uh, I, I find <laughs> this so funny how many Arsenal fans have like absolutely railed granite jacket for years for you know his unruliness and the fact he gets so many yellow cards, he gets sent off, and then he leaves, and everyone's like, "Oh, granite, yeah. classic, miss isn't it? <laughs> to, to, be fa- to be fair, I think most people changed their opinion last season, but it was yeah. it was just when uh, one of the Sevilla players was like standing over like the bloodied body of Bakayo Saka, the, the the poor innocent boy who'd been uh, absolutely. Uh, Polaxed by another real burly man from Sevilla and I was thinking he could do with a bit of backup in midfield here and Granite Jacket could, could have done with that but also as well the, the struggle that they've had in recent games to get Martin Odegaard into the team mm. the balance of the midfield does seem a bit off and I wonder as the season goes on um, not criticising Odegaard he's the greatest footballer of all time according to some people that I'm hearing constantly tell me he's amazing who's, no be, be straight up with what you're saying here. I know I just don't have the courage to speak about it. <laughs> is, is it me that's saying that because I'm not saying that okay no it's not <laughs> it's just that like uh, Odegaard he's the new Kevin De Bruyne so he'll, he'll do something great in a match and then we're supposed to think uh, okay on TikTok he's going to look great this week is he? I don't think I've heard well, anyone compare him to De Bruyne. <laughs> oh, I've heard people he's the new he's the natural successor to him as like the best attacking midfielder. I mean even as an in the Premier League. I feel like that's a step too far. I, I feel like he's very inconsistent that he's capable of great stuff in, and it tends to be if he's playing well he'll play well in that game but there tends also to be games that just pass him by. Like why did he get yeah. taken off last night? Mm. Games passing him by is definitely the issue. And I do wonder if that's just uh, the, the balance of that midfield has yet to be struck this season. His best game so far this year was against PSV at home and he just had oceans of space. And I think all throughout the season, like we were, ta- we were talking to Daniel Harris earlier about like why did Chelsea sign Mason Mount or why did Manchester United sign him? The same question is going to be asked of Kai Havertz. And it, 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 it does frustrate me a little bit that that money was there mm-hmm. and that Kai Havertz is the player that they used that money on. And it's unfair on him because he's been in the league for a couple of seasons and we just kind of were more aware of his weaknesses. I hope it turns around because I actually am kind of rooting for him. It'd be a great story if he did turn it around. But I think maybe they look back on that signing and say somebody more effective uh, in being a link man between Rice and Odegaard could have been signed. It just always seemed like a strange choice for Arteta as well because I feel like his transfer policy has been quite straight and he's always 
you know, he's had a very specific reason for signing players, and Havertz was one of the few that's come in that I'm like, why? why like, yeah. what, what do you Let's think Let's get another striker change? who never scores. That's exactly what Arsenal need after three decades. But he hasn't played anywhere near that position, you know. He has been played as, as a number eight, and I think it was pre-season where maybe he kind of filled in as a, as a false nine, which he had famously done previously in his career. So it's not to say that that won't happen over the, the next few weeks because Jesus is injured again. And uh, yeah. that's one of the least surprising developments. So maybe, maybe this is the moment where he shines. <laughs> and Kedia will start then at the, the weekend against Sheffield United, you'd suspect. Right. Thanks, folks. Off the ball, breakfast. Ireland's Sports Breakfast Show.